National Geographic photo camp was the best experience of my life. It has been for me one of the most beautiful experiences in life. The National Geographic photo camp was amazing in every way. It's hard to even put in words. Being surrounded by that energy was something I still carry with me. The friends I made and the experience that this photo camp gave me have made me grow and do things that I have never done in my life. I think a lot of us were trying to do something with our photos, but we did not know how. I feel empowered to share my story. One of the most memorable weeks of my life. Humans are built by stories. You just heard from a group of young storytellers who took part in the last in-person National Geographic photo camp before COVID closed our world down. These students gathered alongside professional National Geographic photographers here on the Osa Peninsula in Costa Rica to learn to share their own stories. Right now, as humanity faces the nature dilemma brought on by climate change, the stories we share matter. But often more important are the people who tell them. Today, we are going behind the scenes of one of the world's most powerful storytelling machines, National Geographic, to learn about why we, as an audience, should care about who is telling the story. My name is Lucy Kleiner, and this is The Nature Dilemma, a podcast series by Osa Conservation dedicated to, inspired by, and created in the last wild places on Earth. These stories help us understand the dilemma between humanity and the planet humanity depends on. We'll tap into the knowledge of experts around the world and take you to some of the most pristine and vulnerable wildernesses on Earth. I'm reporting from the Osa Conservation Biological Station, surrounded by Costa Rica's ancient rainforests. Join me as I look for answers from the top conservationists, scientists, and nature nerds around the world. For a long time, the celebrated storytellers reaching the masses all looked very similar. They came from the same backgrounds, spoke the same languages, and emerged from the same socioeconomic standings. But that homogenous bank of storytellers doesn't work anymore. Not when we are tackling the biggest threat humanity has ever faced, climate change. Reporters around the world have realized that when we parachute into a problem to extract a story, we're missing a huge piece of the puzzle. Stories coming from the people impacted have unprecedented value, and we need those powerful stories. The good news is the storyteller is shifting, diversifying. And today, I'm introducing you to the professionals who have put empowering young, diverse storytellers at the forefront of their careers through something called PhotoCamp. A PhotoCamp is focused on mentorship and on guiding young people you know, to understand the power of their own voice through photography and storytelling. That is Kirsten Elster, founder of National Geographic PhotoCamp. For the past two decades, Kirsten has traveled around the world conducting photography workshops in key communities most impacted by major issues like climate change. The photography workshop process is unique. There's like a special magic if you see it as something more than a photography workshop. Your listeners could probably understand a photography workshop is, you know, 
bringing photographers and having them teach composition and lighting and, and things like that. But there's a little magic secret sauce if you see it as something more than that. And that's what I believe PhotoCamp is. Yes, it's about lighting and creating stories that are meaningful. But more than that, it's like an opportunity for us to ask good questions and understand the perspectives of young people on important topics. So yes, it's about inspiring them, but then it's also going beyond that to hear their perspectives and their reaction after they've been inspired. So what do they think about? What do they care about? When you ask someone to do an assignment, you have to understand that they're going to bring new ideas and perspectives from a 20-year-old point of view, you know, during a photo camp to that assignment. So that's what's so exciting. Now, Kirsten, can you rewind a little bit and tell me where this idea of photo camp came from? Before you started this, you were photographing stories from huge publications like the New York Times, the International Red Cross. So what made you want to give up a career as a professional photographer to focus on students who had likely never even touched a camera before? Yeah, I remember at one point being in on one of those assignments that you just mentioned, it was with the International Red Cross and I was in Bangladesh and I was supposed to be covering the story of what it was like to um, you know, be in that situation after a major cyclone had passed through that area. And I just remember a light bulb going on and thinking, you know, I really don't don't know what this is like. It's very hard for me to try and explain this through my work through photography. And there were some young people there that I was befriending and photographing. And I just thought, wouldn't it be cool to put the camera in their hands and, and have this story through their perspective? And that's kind of when it started. And it has come so far since then. You've conducted 112 photo camps across 35 countries. And a lot of your success comes from establishing really strong teams full of mentors excelling in the storytelling field. We have conservation photographer Ronan Donovan here with us today as well, who has led a number of NG photo camps around the world. Ronan, can you tell me a bit about your background in photography? My background started uh, as a wildlife biologist. And so I came into this conservation world and the work that I do now through the science community and through doing research focused on uh, spotted owls, focused on amphibians, reptiles, um, I did some bat work. I, I studied chimpanzees in Uganda for a year. And so I came to the point where in in all of my field work that I wanted to do more for direct action and direct conservation. And I felt that the skills that I was developing, photography and storytelling, I felt like I could use those skills in a better, more powerful way than, than I could through the science community. Um, and I transitioned into photography and film work in 2014, and I've worked since then mostly with National Geographic Society and National Geographic Partners, telling different stories for both organizations. I'm really interested in what inspired you to kind of join this program and take on that mentorship role. I mean, anybody who's familiar with your work knows you're you're around the world and uh, taking photos are not easy to capture. So I'm assuming it's not easy for you to uproot and go. What drew you to this and how do you find the time to do that? And what do photo camps look like to you? Photo camps, to me, they're one of the most rewarding aspects of the job that I get to engage in because it's you know, it's, it's a set period of time. So it's generally about a week and you get essentially to immerse in the 
ability to story tell, the ability to pass that along, the ability to hear other stories. And the main goal is to inspire young storytellers to be able to tell their own story in a way that is of their own agency. So instead of having other people come in and tell their story, which is common, and, and that's kind of the tradition of journalism in many ways, um, PhotoCamp is a way to kind of empower a group of young people to do that on their own. And I I absolutely love it. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's a reward for me to be able to step out of a often a very intense or very remote type of story. Um, it's a chance to engage with other photographers, which which is rare. You know, we bring cameras and we, we teach workshops and intensive um, assignments. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's kind of empowering people to to understand that their story is important and that storytelling in general is this human superpower that we have. It's one of the things that makes us unique as social mammals, our ability to convey a story, an idea, a concept, whether it's religion or a political idea on the greater scale or finer scales when we get around and socialize with our family and friends. We're generally telling stories. Um, and to think of that in a really intentional way and then combining images, photographs with that, um, is it's an amazing thing to be able to pass on. And it's something that didn't click for me until I was, I don't I mean, until I was in my 30s, really. I mean, I was photographing and taking pictures, but I wasn't telling stories with them. I was just going for one-off images. And it was, it continues to be one of the kind of exciting joys of this career is that it's an ongoing evolution of storytelling. And I, I just adore the ability and, and I'm honored to be able to share that with, with young people around the world. And you two both get that special opportunity to kind of almost kickstart that evolution or bring people that are interested in the field and really push them towards towards storytelling. Ronan, do you remember your first photo camp and what what was the reason that drew you to that first one before you knew what you were getting into? My first photo camp, I think, was in Greece, and there was a a pretty intense photo camp in the sense that it was a combination of Greek national students, so ages, I think it was maybe 18 to 25 or so. And then the other half of the students were Middle Eastern refugees who had just come over during the during the mass exodus of the unrest in the Middle East. And often Greece was the first time or the first place that they would step onto quote, European soil. And so the goal of the photo camp was try to combine these two groups of young people to create community and then also to promote the storytelling aspects that we do in every other photo camp. But that one to me was, it was very heartfelt having these, these people who, these young people who are fleeing terrible unrest, terrible persecution. They were separated from their families, many of them living by themselves in a refugee resettlement camp um basically you know containers or trailers on a giant concrete dock down in the um, port shipping area of athens is where we did it and these young people were coming every day and they were committed devoted excited um present in the workshops that we were doing and the assignments and i still keep in touch with some of those storytellers today there were two sisters from iran that i remember very well, whose father was a, a photographer, still is working photographer in Tehran. And, you know, they were, they were really committed. They wanted 
to be photographers. They still do. They knew what the ideal was. They knew how it worked. They could see it in their father's career. And I still converse with them, help them with ideas um, that they have and assignments. They're still in Greece. They're still trying to figure out what life is um, after leaving home, essentially. So it was it was a very intense photo camp for my own experience and then and then also for the students involved too, being able to combine those two groups um, and be able to build this community that still exists today. Yeah, that summer, that was the summer of 2017, and we did a whole series. Um, we worked in partnership with the Norwegian Red Cross. We tried to tell the story of many different locations, and that was really intense. I wanted to make a connection to something that Ronan said. He talked about those two sisters. One of them was named Shaghaya Farang. Is that the one you were referring to, Ronan? Yeah. Yeah. And she um, she just, again, participated in a virtual photo camp that we did. And so in 2020, we pivoted like so many others have, have done to doing to trying to create some virtual opportunities. And so we reached out to her. So she barely speaks any English, but she she really just showed up and, you know, tried her hardest. And she was one of the one of the top students that we had last June. And one of the assignments was to write a letter to someone you admire. And she wrote a letter to her father that photographer that just that Ronan just mentioned and then you were supposed to photograph that person well he was he was in Tehran he wasn't in Athens with her so she photographed in this beautiful haunting way the empty spaces that represented and reminded her of her father in Tehran so just kind of reaching back to you know Ronan there in Montana talking about this girl who inspired him as well as he inspired her and then we have tried to maintain a connection as best we can. Wow, that's, that's a beautiful circle and connection. Now, Kirsten, and you said you've been doing this for, for 18 years. Are there any themes that you've seen that are constant from when you started back in 2003? Oh, every, every photo camp is different. But some themes that I've seen are themes of hopefulness. I mean, some of the themes that emerge when we ask young people what are important to them, it's, you know, climate change, the environment, their connection with uh, nature. And then on some of these camps that we've done over the years with refugees, it's family, it's the meaning of home, it's identity. Um, so I'm always really about trying to always talk with young people and ask them what themes they want to cover. So we, we do that all the time in many different ways. But those are some of the themes that have emerged, but some of the common threads that I've seen emerge, uh, sort of threads of hopefulness. Like, I don't know about you guys, but so many people today say, oh, you work with young people in this generation. They're so lazy, you know, Generation X. I don't know. There's selfish. And, you know, I hear a lot of negative comments in my world about young people because I work with young people. But I don't know if it's just because you find what you're looking for. I, I don't really know. But I have never in my 18 years of working with photo camps have I run across that um, type of stereotype in young people. I, I see such intelligent and creative and hopeful, energetic young people when we go on these camps, including the one we did in the OSA. I mean, I'm just blown away every time. Like, wow, I have... I can rest I can rest easy a little bit. I can I can be assured that, you know, we're going to be okay because these are the people that are going to be making the decisions next. Maybe they're just the ones that happen to sign up for photo camp. I don't know, but I see quite a bit of um uh things to be hopeful about when I when I work with this generation. 
Ronan, do you have anything to add there as um, you're kind of like the mentor photographer that often comes into these photo camps? What are you seeing from the students that you work with? Something that's been really refreshing to me is we bring these cameras that are new technology. They're, they're mirrorless cameras that have an electronic viewfinder, which is similar to our cell phones in the sense that the picture you see on your phone when you take a picture um, is the exposure that the image will will result in. Whereas before we had these single lens reflex cameras or film cameras where you had to know all of this really challenging technical aspects to photography. You had to really study it in just the technical part, let alone the storytelling and let alone the access and let alone actually the event of taking the pictures. And we're able to now remove that barrier, at least in terms of people that have access to these cameras and, and these are the cameras that we bring in these photo camps. So once we show these students, you know, basically exposure compensation, which translates into brightening and darkening their image by choice with a quick little flick of the thumb, these students are creating incredibly challenging light controlled image. And that to me has been really rewarding um, just to know that the creating photography doesn't have to be this like privileged thing that is required to take years and years and 10,000 hours of lessons. Like we can really contribute and really um, empower these students with these technical skills by bringing the right tool. Um, and that's something that I, I am really excited about in these photo camps and even in the future with doing more of these is that you can allow these students to create really compelling images that we all around the world can understand and translate their stories in a much more meaningful way because we brought this amazing tool. Okay, so that actually leads me to a question I have. So you're talking about how photography can be so complicated. You're both beautiful photographers. What's the value of taking your time as somebody who's so trained technically and committing so much to these students? Like, I know National Geographic as a brand has really focused on this, like shifting the storyteller. And that inspires me because I want to be a storyteller. And I'm excited to see that there are professionals like you investing in people like me. But why should somebody who doesn't necessarily view themselves in the storytelling career, why should they care who's telling their stories? Living the stories are the ones who know those stories the best. So stories... I think it's the heart of everything. It's the way we understand each other. So especially right now, if there's anything that we need in this world, it's to understand each other more deeply. So, you know, why does it matter who tells the story? I just have a deep belief, as I said earlier, in you know, the power of young people. They're in their late teens and early 20s. They're soon to be the decision makers. And it, so it matters what they think and what their stories are and that they're the ones telling it. Um, so they're coming into their own. Of course, the recognizable young people you might think about are like the Gretas and the Malalas, you know, and I'm so inspired by like the young people in Parkland, Florida, speaking up against gun violence in our country. You know, so those recognizable voices are amazing and so important to lead the way. But as Ronan mentioned, you know, we need so many storytellers out there. That's what we need. We need armies of young storytellers that's what the young people in OSA represented to me. That's what all the, the photo camp students that I, you know, have the privilege to work with, that's what they represent to me. Yeah, it's a great question. And it is something that we have these conversations continuing in the National Graphic Circle and the circle at large. Um, and I think, you know, from the, from the basis of it, 
the people that generally know these stories and the intimate kind of nuances that exist in a place are the people that live there. And that's, that's been, that's been the reality for, for centuries, essentially. And there's very much a Western culture that comes in through photography. And this is how it's been with National Geographic. And it's no fault of theirs. It's just, it's just the way it's been. Um, where photographers kind of parachute in and do their best and spend time and, and it can be done really well. That's not a, that, that style of photography, I think will always continue, but um, allowing local storytellers, local photographers to begin to tell their own stories, um, I think is a really valuable thing because they're going to know the story the best. They have in many ways, the best access, which is really always how the best images are made is whether it's access to a specific location or generally with, with documentary photography and working with people, the access comes from knowing the subject, the people, the community, and the place that you're trying to photograph. So, you know, me coming to a place where I don't speak the language and I have to have a translator and I'm trying to tell a story about this community, I would have a, a really hard time doing that in a ethical way. I feel like now having, thought about this concept of kind of parachuting in rather than having somebody who is local, who's trained, who knows, obviously knows the language, obviously knows the nuances of culture and society and the challenges because they're living it. We need more storytellers to be able to help with communicating science, communicating these complex situations and these complex challenges that are happening all around the world related to conservation, related to human diasporas related to human migrations, how people are being affected by climate change or industry. And, you know, it becomes this really powerful tool to have these storytellers that are located all over the world. Um, and I think that that's one of the, the main things that excites me about taking time out of the work that I do to be able to work alongside Kirsten, work along other, alongside other photographers and to work with Photo Campus to be able to create this massive network, really. Okay, so I want to test both of your storytelling skills quickly and ask you to tell me a story that's really stuck with you during your time with Photo Camp and working with these, these young people around the world. Whether that was a surprise or a challenge um, or somebody asking you a tough question or documenting a beautiful image, tell me a story that, that really stuck with you. Oh, okay. I've got, I've got one. There might be a couple. I think I might have a thousand, but just, I'm trying to relate it to our project together on the OSA. There was one young storytelling teller there. His name was Marcus Berman. Now he was working with OSA conservation. He was working with Andy and he wasn't one of the students, but he became, you know, one of the OSA photo camp family. And he just, I feel like he really, a light bulb turned on for him during that uh, project and then in the arc of one year, because that was almost exactly a year ago, um, he reached out to me. I was so impressed with him and his his work uh, in conservation and not only in conservation, but in storytelling. So we invited him to be in our first virtual photo camp. And he did such a great job and was so passionate about storytelling that then he became a team leader. We, we work with young people to become teaching assistants on our camp sometimes. So he became a team leader on our second virtual photo camp this year. 
And that was a camp that was focused on working with indigenous uh, young people around the world to share their stories about their connections with the environment. You know, then there was another piece of this story where he applied for a young explorers grant at National Geographic and he got it. I mean, <laughs> he got this grant and he's working, he's going to be working in a region of Bolivia that's affected by climate change. He's going to be working with indigenous youth and have them document their experiences and talk about ways to make their world more sustainable. So I just feel like what a cool connection to have made from the very first relationship with PhotoCamp that began with Ronan and, and all of us last February. And then for that uh, young person to really change directions or, you know, I actually called him and asked him a little bit more about this. And he said, I said, is it, was that just me or, you know, was, was that something that inspired you? And he said, yes, that, that first photo camp, you know, kind of shaped me and gave me a sense of direction based on what I learned from Federico and Ronan and everyone there and that whole experience. And so just to, to me, that is a huge success story. There's lots of stories that I have about a specific photograph or, or a specific student, but I feel like that's a very recent example of someone who just the arc of their journey in a short period of time feels like a huge success to me because it's like the ripple effect of photo camp. It's never just what we do that week. I feel like that ripple effect of someone like Marcus um, is something that I want to replicate over and over again through photo camp. And I feel like that's what we try and do. No, I remember Marcus, like you said, worked on our team for a while. He was kind of the point person that helped organize the photo camp that came to Osa Conservation. And Marcus was our sea turtle research field assistant. So he was often with his camera photographing sea turtles. And I remember after the photo camp, he came to me and he was like, next time we have a community event, can you send me? Can I do photos for that? I was like, you're the sea turtle guy. You want to go take photos of our community outreach events? And he's like, please. And he came back with beautiful photos of children like laughing in the rivers um, that their grandparents were gold mining in. And now their fathers and mothers are are working actively to protect. And I remember like seeing that shift in him within, yeah, weeks after photo camp. And so that's so exciting to hear the full story that it kept going. One story that really stuck out to me from that photo camp, you hardly took any photos while you were here. And I remember one day, if I remember correctly, you came in with your camera, you came onto campus. And within a matter of like 20 minutes, our director had found a pit viper. So there was a, a little tiny venomous viper in one of the branches near the station. So all the students were running over with their cameras. And instead of going over and taking the picture yourself, I remember you like taking your camera off your neck and you handed it to one of the students you were teaching. And I remember you standing right there with him and just like showing him through your camera how to make this image and capture the snake. Was that intentional that you weren't making photos while you were here? Is that something you think about beforehand? Yeah, that was a great moment. That was um, one of the more memorable sessions, both in the sense that we're dealing with a highly venomous snake uh, at close quarters, safely with a very well-trained herpetologist in Andy. Um, but then, you know, how excited the students were to, to photograph that. I mean, we had at some point, I think we had like 20 students and we were, you know, being calm and taking turns and like having this this really wonderful teaching moment. And yeah, you know, the idea that I'd be there and like pushing kids out of the way and like trying to get my own images is completely counter to the way that the photo camp would work. And 
it's, you know, it's more exciting for me in those situations to have them learn. I mean, I, in my head, fundamentally, I understand how to create a couple images of that snake, let's say, interestingly. And, and to me, it's kind of enough to, to share that knowledge with somebody else and to get them excited. It was the most unique photo camp in relation to the work that I do in terms of related directly to conservation. Um, a lot of the other photo camps are documentary style, often urban based. To me, that was, you know, that was one of the most rewarding photo camps that I've done. Yeah, the photo camp here in Costa Rica was more focused on conservation. And that might be, I mean, I'm biased because I work for a conservation organization, but I think one of the most important skills is to engage people in the story of conservation when there might not be a main character that looks like I do or like you do, but that main character we kind of depend on it, whether it be an ancient mega tree in the primary forest or a venomous viper that actually plays a key part in our ecosystem. So learning how to tell stories about those things that might not automatically demand our, our human attention seems like a, a tough feat. And I'm really glad that you two are focused on that. Can you tell me what you're very often taught in photo camp? So what do the students teach you? Yeah, what I learn on each photo camp is I learn about the stories that were there to learn about and tell with that group of young people. So I learned, you know, we go to Louisiana and we learn about sea level rise that's happening in that particular bayou community in Louisiana, or we'll go to New Zealand and, and we worked with the Maori community in New Zealand. And we learned specifically about, you know, what those ties to their ancestors meant to them in New Zealand. Okay, so that actually leads me to a question I have. As we wrap up now, these National Geographic photo camps, they often involve flying around the world and spending a week in these places to connect with young storytellers. We have um, a handful of young storytellers that are going to be listening to this podcast. What advice do you have for them? To the young storytellers listening now, I would say that focus on the stories that keep you up at night. Think about the things that you think about in your daily life that are either exciting or things that you love or things that scare you, things that upset you. You know, what keeps me up at night is the future of humanity and the planet in relation to how we interact with the environment. And that's what I choose to work on with the stories that I tell. Thank you both so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Lucy. Yeah, thanks, Lucy. Great chatting with you. Thank you so much. Once again, that was Kirsten Elster and Ronan Donovan, two storytellers working with National Geographic in very different ways, but with this similar passion to inspire the next generation of storytellers. You can find their work and follow along on social media. Find National Geographic Photo Camp at NG Photo Camp and Ronan Donovan at Ronan underscore Donovan. Thank you so much to all of the young storytellers listening and for everyone who listens and supports The Nature Dilemma. My name is Lucy Kleiner. I really appreciate that you're here. If you liked this episode, leave us a rating and a review. That helps so much. And we're looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you again for listening. This is The Nature Dilemma, brought to you by Osa Conservation.